Welcome, Let's Run.com Nation. Who says there aren't any track and field running races going on? We have a jam-packed podcast full of action last weekend and this weekend. Just take a second to pause and listen to what we have. This weekend in Valencia, we've got the marathon of the year outside of London, and we have two Americans going overseas to take on the best. Jordan Hesse in the full marathon, Emily Sisson targeting the American half marathon record. We have the Sunset Tour big-time pro track meet in L.A. We have the unofficial high school national championship where Sydney Thorvalson and Bryn Brown will square off. And this past weekend, we had the Delhi Half Marathon where $99,000 was given away on the men's side and the women's side. Extremely fast times by the Almsworth Yohawi and Amadork Waligan. How was that for those names, guys? Took home the wins in 64-46 and 58-52. We had Killian Journey going for a legendary ultramarathon record and ending up in the hospital. Michael Calapariso has stepped down as head of the NYRR. We had a marathon in China with 9,000 people in it. And of course, what is more likely to happen in 2021? Rojo breaking 25 for 5K or Jonathan Galt getting a girlfriend? Welcome everyone to the podcast. This is a jam-packed week and next week... Or no, a couple of weeks from now, we will have the Marathon Project as well. So surprisingly, in a year that's had very little or less track and field action than normal, December is shaping up to maybe be the most action-packed month of the year, at least since. Well, then, you already you forgot about October. We had the London Marathon. We had the World Half Marathon Championships. We had the World Records in Valencia. I mean, October was the month for me. But December is going to be pretty good. I'm a little worried, though, watching these events live, which I would like to do. It's not very conducive for an East Coast person like ourselves because this track meet in LA, the races don't start. The good races are like after midnight Eastern time on Friday and Saturday night. And then the Valencia Marathon, half marathon, they start at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. So I think I'm going to have to be pounding Red Bull. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But to watch this stuff live, it's... I'm a little un- maybe I shouldn't be complaining about this that we have some great action and Robert's like oh why do you even care I won't even watch this stuff I'll just talk about it on the podcast next week but I don't know that's that's my one little mini complaint how dare you Jonathan John's trying to make me look sound like the grumpy old man it's official folks and we are going to talk maybe at the end of the show which is more likely me breaking 20 flat for 5,000 or Jonathan getting your girlfriend but clearly it's going to be me breaking 20 20- 20 flat because John is an official and old journalist. Like John acts like that the meets should be designed just so that the, you know, it's like the old track and field news guys. Like if, if the meets not presented so that they can watch it perfectly, you know, from the finish line with no, uh, then it shouldn't exist at all. That's not what I'm saying. These races in Valencia are in the morning local time, which obviously makes sense for a marathon. I'm just saying it does make it tough for me personally. And no, pe- most people won't have sympathy for that, but I'm just saying it's going to be late nights, early mornings around Let's Run Boston HQ. And what marathon was at night? Well, it makes sense. Shutting down streets during COVID. Can't we shut down streets in the afternoon? That'd be better for TV watching everything. I feel like we should have more marathons in the afternoon or at night. I mean, personally, as a runner, I would have been a lot better with that. Yeah, I remember the, the 2004 Olympic marathon was in the evening, and I, I thought it was really cool, them running into the, you know, the ancient the old 1896 olympic stadium at night i I do think and rome as well 1960 i think there's some cool photos of that so i'm in favor of more night marathons but no valencia we're so glad that this is actually happening guys all right i have a few facts to throw at you about valencia because it's actually 
pretty insane how good this field is. So how many athletes do you think are entered who have broken 208 in the marathon? 20 for me. Women or men, John? Men. What? Men, Weldon. What you, sorry. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we can we can discuss female place kickers in Power 5 conference. Oh, no, no. I think Robert might get fired for that one. No, the, the answer... Weldon, do you have an answer here? 20. 25 is the answer, which is phenomenal. There are 35 people who have broken 210. 44 people have broken 212. I mean, even compared to the Olympics, these might be like record-setting depths. This has got to be a record, right? I have to assume. I ran the numbers. I compared it to like the World Marathon Majors. So we've been tracking the World Marathon Majors, the depth of the entrance since the start of 2017. I said there were 25 men under 208. The most for a major in that time period since the start of 2017 is 15. So it's pretty crazy, but you've got a few unique circumstances here. One of which is obviously all these athletes want to race. Many of them missed their spring marathon. There's really only London to run in the fall. And then the other situation is Valencia is putting a shitload of money into this race. So I was going through the media guide. What do you think their budget for this race, which is elite only, half marathon and marathon? What do you think the budget is? Well, isn't the normal elite budget for like a, for a major about $2 million? So I'm going to go with $2 million. $2 million? Where'd you make that up? That seems high. I was going to ask, are they having prize money because of COVID? So I guess I'm wrong about that one. Oh, they have prize money. $1 million. Does this count appearance fees or not, John? I think it counts everything. In like, But $6.4 million. What? The budget for this race. Yeah. For like, What do you mean? The, I went on the web, on their media guide and it said this is the race budget. And I, this might, maybe it includes staging the race, that sort of stuff as well. But it is elite only. But... Their number is 6.4 million. Now I was talking to Manuel Patella, our friend from Spain, who helps organize this. And he told me that's actually, that's only if all of the world record bonuses are paid out in the half marathon and marathon. You know, if you subtract about 500,000 euros, if that doesn't happen. But it's a ridiculous amount. And $5.6 million of that is coming from the Trinidad Alfonso Foundation. Which I I always say our model for the sport we need to have an eccentric billionaire to fund some of these things. Well, that's actually why Valencia has turned into it calls itself Ciudad del Running or the City of Running is because there is a Spanish billionaire named Juan Roig who has essentially poured his fortune into this foundation, Trinidad Alfonso Foundation, named after his mother, I believe, that sort of promotes sports and wellness and stuff in and big events in Valencia and. They've put in, the foundation has put in $5.6 million for this event. And I think pretty much every cent of that, uh, one male, Manuel told me, is from one Roy himself. We got to have this guy on the podcast. This this is amazing. This is really amazing. Uh, and this marathon is somehow not considered to be a major, yet the Abbott World Marathon majors, New York, Chicago, who else, John? Berlin just punted on the year. So. Valencia and Boston. You didn't. Boston didn't have a marathon either. Yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing. So, I don't think our viewers, our, our listeners, want to hear us talk finances. They want to hear us either break down this week's action or last week's action. So, where should we begin? Should we stick with Valencia or should we? Yeah, let's go Valencia because I think you know we have a mostly American audience. Though, hello to our international viewers. So, Wel- Weldon, you want to jump in here? Yeah, speaking of mostly American audience, 
Everybody needs to go sign up for the virtual marathon challenge. We got the marathon project December 20th in the United States. It's going to be the biggest marathon in the United States this year. And you can sign up and race virtually. Support your favorite American pro. Go to the marathonproject.com to sign up today. You can do a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and full marathon, and the mileage mania challenge. You can do four virtual races, get a half zip as well, and join your favorite pro American runners team. Rojo, are you gonna are you gonna come out of retirement for this? I'm not sure if I'm ready for a marathon quite yet, but I don't know what you don't have to be an American to sign up. You could be overseas and sign up for this virtual challenge. Maybe you won't get the half zip shipped to you, but no, I think everyone can do it. That is one of the things that Ben Rosario, who was on the podcast last week, was saying is like it's worldwide. So, but in terms of virtual challenges, this is as good as it gets. Robert, you don't have to do the marathon. You can only do the five k, or you can do all four. So, sign up today. Y'all were talking about mostly American audience. I don't have any stats proving that. Podcast is worldwide. I want to thank the podcast listeners. We have one that from Denmark made a huge purchase. T-shirt purchase last week. Go to shop.letsrun.com. I'm going to be shipping out five or six shirts to Denmark. Thank you very much. Probably going to be losing money since I dropped international shipping to only $10. But no, I'm kidding. I'll still make some money, I think. But thank you for the support. But really, if you want to support the show, become a VIP supporting club member. Go to letsrun.com slash membership and get bonus access, extra content, huge shoe discounts, and more. Actually, the Robert, that's let'srun.com slash subscribe. It would help to give out the proper URL. Let'srun.com slash subscribe. First mistake ever on let'srun.com. Uh, so yeah, let's talk Valencia here. Now, there are some fantastic elite fields, both men's and women's half and full marathon. But what I want to hear, what apparently the audience wants to hear is the Rojo hot take. Robert, Emily Sisson, Jordan say, give me your hottest takes on each of them as they compete this weekend. My hottest takes. I was sort of not really told I'd be asked to give a random hot take about. Well, all right, your opinion. I mean, it doesn't need to be hot if you don't have a hot take. But I want to know what do you think? They, Jordan says is running the full marathon. This is her first one since the trials. She hasn't had a good marathon since Boston in 2019 when she was third. Emily Sisson's running the half marathon. Her coach Ray Tracy has said she wants to get the American record, or that's the goal is to run 67 flat, the half pace. Half marathon record is 67.25 by Molly Huddle. Do you think she gets it? And how does Hase do? Well, normally I would be very excited about Emily Sisson. I think she's great on the roads. I think that American record is there for the taking. But I'm a Debbie Downer. I'm a little bit down about everything. Six million dollars, but God's not listening. The weather forecast is not good. You guys know I'm obsessed with the weather. We're looking at like 17 mile an hour winds. And I checked dark sky this morning when I woke up. Literally, the first thing I did was Roll over to my bed, grab my iPhone, hit dark sky, Valencia to see what the weather was. That's dedication, people. Not only that, at 4 at four a.m. when my son woke me up, I called Let's Run.com stat wind guru John Kellogg because he happened to send me an email at 4.05 a.m. I, I asked him a question to analyze the wind, how much it would impact the times. He had sent me an email, and I had some questions about it so I could talk about it on this podcast. But – um. I'm excited. A, I guess my hot takes are: I'm very excited that Emily Sisson appears to be doing well. She's in good shape. Ray Tracy's talking big. Ray's not a BSer. Ray Tracy, the coach at Providence. Um, I remember when he said that you know when Emily was in college, he's like, "Look, this is she's made for the marathon." And 
Sorry, I was just. I, I think anyone who had the is playing the Let's Run podcast drinking game can drink right now because anytime Emily Sisson comes up, Robert will guaranteed say that anecdote. It's like a broken record, John. I was thinking the exact same thing. Thank you. Do you guys think that everyone listens to every word of every podcast? That we have new listeners all the time. And anyways, unlike Molly Hoddle, who did not view as like a born marathoner, she's a born marathoner. She's run pretty well. What did she run? Two twenty three, John, in her debut at London. Is that right? Correct. And you know, really struggled in the trials but it's clearly more of a, a rhythm runner. So flat course would do well for her. But with the wind, I'm a little bit worried she's not going to break 67. I think it's like 25 because, you know, there's probably not many people going to be running that. There's not going to be a group of people running that pace for her to, her to, to sort of get with to break the wind. That is a good point. The wind hurts someone who is not running in a pack more than it would if she was going up front with, you know, I think they're going – they're billing it like sub 64. I don't know if they're actually trying to break 64 minutes in the half, but I think they're going to be at world record pace or at least 65 flat, you know, sub 65 pace. And Robert's talking about what a great marathoner she is. This is a half marathon. It's not a marathon. John's got the story here though. She's been doing some crazy workouts, 24, 37 for five miles, four by two miles at five Oh five pace. It actually doesn't seem as impressive to me as the five miles straight at 24, 37, but Five minute pace is what sixty five thirty, so she's got some room to spare off that sixty seven thirty. So you know you can almost go what five oh nine pace. So she, her workouts indicate everything is on target for this thing. I think again, yeah, it's coming to like, can she essentially solo this? Who's she going to have to run with? And and the wind, and can we even go there? I don't know how good the New Balance shoes are. Are there? Cheater shoes as good as everybody else. Although I guess Molly Huddle broke the old record in the old shoes, but well, she's Saucony. Um, just for the record, you know, I wasn't implying that she was New Balance. I was just saying she did. Oh yeah, yeah. She she ran the existing American half record in traditional racing flats, not the, the new super shoes. So, but I guess that shows that this record could be done regardless of the shoes. So maybe it doesn't matter. But it's just something to factor in because we can't evaluate things how we use once good. Yeah. I mean, Sisson, she ran 67.30 in Houston last year. And that was, you know, she's, I just think, you know, a year later, she's been training really well. Ray Tracy told me before that race, he thought she could challenge the American record. And she pretty much, you know, she has five seconds off it. This time he thinks she's in better shape and that she can break it. So, I think, yeah, normally I think Robert is a little sensational, but 15 mile per hour wins, it could be more. That is pretty serious. So I think if the wind maybe dies down, she's got a shot. If not, you know, it could be a little tougher. I think she could still do it. If she's going out to run 67 flat and the record's 67.25, she might have some wiggle room. But uh, I think if you're going to put me on the spot and make a prediction, I'm going to say she does get it. But if she doesn't, I think it'll be because of the wind. Probably my best marathon. My, my my best personal best is right around sixty. I don't even know what it is. It's like sixty-seven oh three or sixty-seven thirteen. So, Emily Sisson may soon be faster than yours truly. Wow. Uh, what about Hase, Robert? Do you what do you have to say about Jordan Hase? Well, this is one reason why you want to join the supporters club because supporters clubs have a article. Oh, we have an article up for you guys and gals. John published yesterday on Jordan's Day. John has, has texted with Paula Radcliffe, her coach. And after reading that article, I, I, I got I started to get nervous about Jordan's Day's chances. Um, 
so this is for given early access to the VIPs. Um, I think we're going to open it up to everybody else today before the race on Saturday morning. But, you know, I don't know, John. I mean, you, you, I guess you didn't actually speak to Paula, but you texted her, right? I mean, but I guess, I mean, the quotes are pretty direct. She's sort of saying, I want Jordan to have fun out there. I'm not giving her a time goal, which to me means I'm, I'm lowering expectations. So, I don't know. It's been a tough 14 months for Jordan to say. I mean, her, her coach was banned. And then, you know, she – well, you, you, what other struggles has she had since then, John? Yeah, I mean, she's been injured essentially since twenty start of twenty eighteen. She's been pretty much nonstop. Like she had to drop out of two. She had to DNS at Boston. She withdrew on the eve of that race. Then she had to drop out. It's a withdrawal from Chicago before that race in twenty eighteen. Chicago last year, she dropped out with a hamstring injury, and then that ended up being leading to a back issue at the trials. She wasn't ready for the trials, so. To me, like it does seem like a pretty hard reset here. She has a new coach, and she took a bunch of time off of the trials, off the trials, just trying to get healthy. She has dropped her mileage. So to me, this race, like, if she can get out there, finish it, and run, you know, pretty. I know saying anything under two thirty, it's kind of ridiculous for someone who's a two twenty marathoner. But I think if she can get out there and maybe get a solid effort, like somewhere between two twenty five and two twenty seven, just take one step forward. That's going to be like if she just make it through one marathon healthy and a build up healthy. That's kind of what it seems like would be a good 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 outing for her. Let's cut through the crap. Weldon over under what it, what is a decent time for? Her? Well, before I get to that, Weldon may not have read the article. I mean, first of all, I was acting like everything in the last fourteen months has been bad. It's not been bad, right? She got third. Didn't she get third in Boston in two thousand nineteen? She did that, and that's the talent. Like. You know, if you've been, was that before Salazar ban or after? That was before. That was before the Salazar ban. Oh, okay, but, yeah, I'm, I'm getting with the COVID last year. I'm getting confused. Well, the other thing, Robert, here is though she ran this half marathon tune-up in Oregon. She only ran seventy-four twenty-seven. That did not go well at all. Then Paula said afterwards they actually found out. You know, she hadn't been feeling great going in. They had some stomach absorption issues. They think they've figured that out, but. She's try- they're trying to not put any time goals on here. I just think if she can kind of get through it healthy and then you move on and you say, okay, in the spring next – well, I guess there isn't a marathon next spring. I don't really know. But then you say like 2021, that's when we start getting times trying to go after the old Jordan to say. This one I think is like can she just stay healthy for like a one-year period of time? John's out for the participation award it sounds like. Weldon, can you give us an over-under? I've done an extensive message board post in the VIP forum. I guess I'll share with everybody here where I've given out my F through A grades. But Weldon, before I reveal that, what do you think? I just feel like there's not going to be any Bs or Cs in this one. I just feel like it's going to be an F. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't see how she bounces back and has a good one. Because uh, Do we see her being conservative? I mean, let's rewind a little bit. If we go before Chicago, so I guess that's Chicago over a year ago, so Chicago 2019, we had heard she was in really good shape. She barely made a 5K. Drops out of the trial since then, has this 74-minute tune-up. Like, what indicates things are going well? So she wants to go out and have fun? I don't know. So I hear you guys talking about 227. 227 would be terrible for her initially is what I thought. But then I started, like, reassessing. 10 seconds a mile in a marathon is, like, you know, close to four and a half minutes. Um, 20 seconds a mile is nine minutes. So let's say she runs 227, just trying to, you know, take a safety 
and she could run 10 seconds a mile faster. That puts her at 222. But is she going to do that? You know, like, what's the point of flying to Spain to go run 227? That's a fair question. I kind of, I kind of, I think if you put the line at 227 and you include DNF as the over, I would probably take the over. I just think whatever the, whatever the line is, I'm saying over, but it sounds like she had some stomach issues and some other stuff that could be addressed, but I just don't see how she comes out of this healthy and ready. So I'm, I guess my most likely expectation is she drops out or runs something really slow. Okay. I'm going to share you my, my, my thought process here. Originally I thought 225. I mean, I, I thought that should be the over under here of anything decent. I mean, and 225 seems crazy because it's a time that only eight American women have ever run under. So I'm holding her to an incredibly high standard. Yes, because she's a 220, oh, she's 220, 50 something. So basically a 221 flat marathoner. So the way I was thinking about it is, shouldn't you be able to run within 10 seconds of a mile of that, even if you're not in good shape? It's like a 13 flat runner running 1330. So that didn't seem, you know, I said, let's, I said, let's give her four and a half minutes. So 225, 30. Um, that shouldn't be that hard. And that actually lines up very well because before that half marathon, she supposedly had pacers taking out at 69 flat pace. If you look at the McMillan conversion parts, 69 flat is 225.13. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. Then, then I read the Paul article. I'm like, okay, that may be too ambitious. Let's add 15 seconds a mile to her PR, which would be about six and a half minutes in the marathon, which would take you about 227.30. So anything over 228 to me is, is not even worth. Well, are you counting the wind here, Robert? Well, that's the thing. I said, I don't need to see that time. I want to see that type of equivalent performance based on what other people run off their PRs. And I don't even need to see the finish. I just want, I, I would like to see her originally when I said 225, I want to see her run 225 pace for 20 miles. If she blows up, I don't care. But now my new grading system, anything over 230 is an F. 228 to 230 is a D. 228 to 225, 30 is a C. 225, 30, 223 is a B. Anything under 223 is an A. Some people may think that's harsh, but uh, I, I, it's not harsh. If you come within, she she comes within four minutes of her personal best. I'm giving her a B. It's ten seconds of miles. All she got to come within ten seconds of a mile or PR. And I'm giving her a B. All right, Robert. Prediction, and let's move on to the rest of the, these races because there's some studs here. Well, my, my prediction would be certainly over two twenty five. I'm afraid it's going to be uh, two two. She shouldn't have any problems running seventy four minute pace. I'm going to say 227. Okay. So we do have, you know, we've spent a few, maybe 20 minutes on the Americans here, but there are some fantastic elite fields uh, in the half and full marathon. And I can't get to everyone because it's just ridiculous. But to me, there are a few interesting storylines. One, in the men's race, do we get a guy, you know, emerging as a challenger to Elliot Kipchoge or, you know, is Elliot Kipchoge? I think I still consider him the greatest marathon in the world. But he did lose. He was only eighth in London in October. And there are some guys who have built up quite a resume. I mean, you've got Luisa de Sisa. He's won Boston twice. He was a 2018 New York champ. He was the world champion last year. He's running this race. And then you've got Lawrence Torono, who's the reigning champion at Boston and Chicago. Now, if you put Boston, Chicago, and I think he's got the course record at Amsterdam, and then you add a win at Valencia over this in- incredible field here for Lawrence Toronto. I mean, you could make the case he should be the guy right now, given Kipchoge lost the last uh, lost his last race. So uh, that's going to be interesting to me is to see who wins that men's race, and you know, can Kip Toronto kind of grab the event by the scruff of the neck? 
John, I'd like to know who else is in this race, but without a doubt to me, if Toronto wins this race, he's the number one marathoner in the world. I'm not saying Kipchoge can't beat him, but come on, that'll be four, four wins in a row. Amsterdam 2018. These are his last three marathons. 204.06 win in Amsterdam. 205.45 win in Chicago. 207.57 win in, in, in Boston. I, I guess Boston was before Chicago. So, I mean, and, and those were sprint wins. So we know he's a, he has a sprint finish and he'll have won four major, four, four big marathons in a row. Now, nobody has won, no one, no one wins four in a row except for LA Kipchoge. But Kipchoge is significantly old, older. I mean, Tr- Toronto's 32, Kipchoge 37? Kipchoge's 36. Sorry, there's another guy we need to mention here. I, I For some reason, I skipped over him when I was looking at the results, when the, I was looking at the entries, which is weird because he's got by far, the, he's got the fastest personal best in the field by a minute. And that's Mozanek Garamu of Ethiopia. This is what Garamu has done in his last three marathons. 2019 Tokyo wins it in 204.48 in terrible conditions. 2019 Berlin, second, 202.48. So he's now, he's number three all time. That was behind only Kenny Spikele. And then 2020, wins Tokyo in March, the final you know major before the pandemic hit. So if you go two wins in Tokyo, a second in 202 in Berlin, and uh, you know then a win in Valencia against this field, he's also got a case, I think you could say, as the best guy. So this clash, I mean, there are a lot of good guys. I'm not saying it's only these two, but to me, the clash between Chirono and Legese and maybe throwing Decisa there is going to be really terrific. This is way better than your average major. I mean, you've got basically... All the big guys except for, you know, Kipchoge. So, you know, normally kind of – this is kind of like a London in the winter, basically. It's like London too. It really is. Yeah. yeah, you don't have all the big guys because London had the rest of them. Right. But like what you guys said, nine guys under 205 and these three studs. So it's just going to be a great one. But in a normal year, you're getting you're getting the stars diluted between – you know, at least three majors, if not, and then you've got more. You got races like Valencia and whatnot, Fukuoka, whatever. So, pretty amazing. Yeah, Amsterdam as Chirona has done. So, okay, the women's race also loaded. Uh, don't have quite the star power, but you do have two sub two third, two sub two nineteen women in Rutiaga and Burhan Dababa, five sub. 220 women in total. I mean, it, it's going to be a very, very good race, but I think we should shift to the half because those are also fascinating. We've got some big time debuts in the half in Valencia. Wait a minute, John. We should have been on the half the whole time. I'm, I'm looking at these. I finally pulled up the, the fields and I, I will admit I've been exposed because normally I rely on John's previews to get me a pump, but you haven't written the previews before we record the podcast. My God, this half marathon is insane. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. You've got Ronix Capruto, the world record holder on the 10 can the roads, 26-24. This is his debut, right? Yep. This is insane. And he's going up against the top two guys from the world half last uh, in October, Jacob Kiplimo and Kibawat Kandi. Ben Karoki is, you know, he's a half marathon stud. He's in there. I mean, it's five guys with a PR under 59 minutes. Don't give me any bending karaoke. Kaplimo is the Joshua Chapter guy still here. I mean, this is the guy that just took down Chapter guy, won the world half title. He's in there against Caputo. And then you've got Candy, the guy who kind of everyone thought might win the world half. He ended up getting the silver. This men's race is insane. Throwing Julian Wanders. Candier, the other interest. sorry, it's actually, I've been told by Tim Hutchings, his last name is, it's Kibwat Candier. 
apparently they pronounce it that way. So anyway, uh, I didn't know that until last week, but he has broken 59 minutes three times already this year. The most ever before this year was two by Sammy Wanjiru. If Can- Candy now has the opportunity to do it four times in a single year, which would be pretty ridiculous. But I mean, I, the women's race might even be better for just one reason and one reason only. Are you kidding me? What's in about G'day? Do we remember her? Author of, I mean, she obviously broke the world record in Valencia just two months ago in the 5,000. Yeah, this is her half marathon debut. This half is marathon debut. And amazing. Robert, I mean, I'm a, are you just expecting a world record here? Because if you remember a year ago, she authored what we have called the greatest distance running performance of all time by a woman in saying the 15K world record. I would be expecting a world record if for some reason we hadn't pissed God off and he's cursing us in 2020 with COVID and then high winds at the Valencia half and full turnout Alonzo Marathon. Let me check Dark Sky to see if the weather forecast has changed any since this podcast has begun. Well, wind's still showing between 15 and 20 miles an hour. Not good. Not going to rule it out, but um, speaking of which, since we're talking wind, guys, I've got the stats now from John, from, um, John Kellogg. He, what he wrote me though was based on if you're running directly into a headwind and then turning around and getting a tailwind on the way back. Do you guys realize how much a 20 mile per hour tailwind head 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 slash tailwind slows you down in a marathon? It's massive. Guess how much he estimates it would be. Straight into a headwind that would be just disaster. 20 seconds a mile. You get a half. You get it there. You get a half, you get a tailwind for half the race. Four minutes. Oh wait, you're saying? Are you saying running straight into a headwind, or having it you equidist half of its headwind, half of its tailwind? You get half of it into a headwind, and the half into the tailwind. Oh, then I'd say it slows you down by ten seconds a mile. No, he's got you slowing down by three point eight eight percent. So two twenty marathoner would run two twenty five twenty six, and but it, it, it's not linear. So a fifteen mile an hour headwind would take you from two twenty to two twenty three. So that's the two point five percent slowdown. 25, it goes up even more. It's 5.47%. So it's 220 to 227. How does he calculate this stuff, Robert? This guy used to train all the time in, in, in Waco, Texas, which is perfectly flat and very windy. So he would just run out and then come back, and he did, did a lot. Now, there's a lot of – So it's based on just like know. him running his runs. Or- Disclaimer at the bottom. This assumes the wind speed is an official one taken 10 meters above the ground level. He actually – do you know that – the reported win, like when it says it's a 20-mile-an-hour win, that's what he's going off of. But when you're actually running, it's not a 20-mile-an-hour win because the wind, the official wind recordings are 10 meters above the, above the ground. And when you're running, um, the wind speed is normally just about 74% of that, according to John. Oh, that makes sense because when I go to football games, it's, it's windier higher up in the stadium than it is on the field, I assume. But anyway, um, one other thing about Valencia, Gonzebe de Baba is also running. She's come out of hiding to make her half-marathon debut. So, you know, she's the world record holder at 1,500 meters, and she's run pretty fast in the 5K as well, 14-15. Uh, so be kind of curious to see what happens there. Is this a women's only race? I mean, they're doing a separate start? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, because the women's only world record is going regardless of the wind conditions in my book. That is a 105.34, or excuse me, 105.16 now by Perez Church here. And so the... Mixed gender world record is pretty quick. 104.31 by Ababel Yashanoe. These Ethiopian names are so hard. Well, I, I will say that the two winners in Delhi this weekend, and maybe we'll get to that next, 
those are among the more difficult Ethiopian names I've ever seen. I think Amdawak, Walalegan, and Yahuwalor, Yalamzerf, Yahuwalor. I mean, those are pretty tough. I don't even know if I'm getting them right. Oh, and well, then one other thing. Perez Jepchirche, you mentioned her, world half marathon champion, women's only world record holder. She's also in Valencia. She's running the full marathon. So it'll be interesting to see if she can translate her success to the full there. Yeah, you guys sort of glossed over this full marathon saying, because there's what? I mean, there's two women under 219, Ru- Ru- Ruta Aga and Burhane Dibaba. I guess Zip Churcher is making her debut, or is this her debut, John? Is that what you just said? Not her debut, but she is right. She's one of the, I guess, 223, 50 before. So, but maybe she's, you know, a different caliber marathoner now. I mean, they're all good, but like to me, of the four races in Valencia, that's the least interesting, even though it's full of stars. But yeah, down here at number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like number 12 or so, 12 fastest PR, uh, Joyce Lynchipkoskai. She's only run 222, but she's your New York City Marathon champion right now. And former world record holder, like a ton of stuff on the roads, 10K half marathon, whatever, right? So if it's a pretty stacked marathon, just to gloss over. But I, the question, I think the big questions, first and foremost, out of Valencia, yeah, I guess may, maybe the men's marathon has a little more, like which of the big three wins. But on the women, on the halves, it's like, do both world records go down? And the men's record i guess i mean 5801 is legit i don't think that's i mean i don't think it's going down that's what i started to think like for the men's record to go down you gotta have a 57 you're gonna have to i mean i guess you gotta have a 58 flat but otherwise you're gonna have your first 57 something half marathon so super shoes are not oh man i gotta think no but this is kind of crazy if you look at the half marathon world records even with the super shoes Zersene Tedesse, way back in 2010, ran 58.23. That was no super shoes, no nothing. I mean, that's why that guy, every time he ran a marathon, people kept expecting big things from him. It never happened. Well then, well then, I have some news for you. Because Zersene Tedesse is running Valencia. It could be the finally the day that everything breaks right for him. The full? The full marathon. Wow. How old is he now? It's probably still, you know, like 18. Um, so then the doper, Abraham Kiptum, ran 58-18 in super shoes. And then the great Jeffrey Camor ran 58-01 last wait, year. Wait, 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 wait. Speaking of which, where's Camor? Didn't we hear that he was running a race? Wasn't he supposed to be running this race? I need to follow up with his agent on this because he said – he was planning on running something in 2020, something big. I ca- I assumed it would be this event because it's really the only big thing left. Unless Camaro is coming out to run the marathon project on December 20th, doesn't look like he'll be racing this year. Isn't Fukuoka coming up? Fukuoka is this weekend, right? This is amazing. This field, I almost feel like it's not right though that the half marathons like it's going off right what an hour before the marathon, right, or something like that. I mean, the start times, half an hour. It's going to get lost. My only complaint is, dude, Mr. Billionaire, this should be run over two days or two different weekends or something. We're going to have four incredibly high-quality sporting events finishing like right next to each other. We can't give them all their own due. Like We could spread each one of these out over one week after another week, and hey, we wouldn't have a windstorm all four weeks in a row. Seriously, like one, the half should be on Saturday and the marathon should be on Sunday just to give them more attention. Like, you know, the NFL has – 
their featured four o'clock game and their featured eight o'clock game. They don't have their featured two and three o'clock game. Well, and now the person who accused me of complaining about when the races are on has now complained about when the races are on. So we've come full circle. All right, but let's go. Uh, shall we go to a quick recap of Delhi? I mean, yes, absolutely. Big thanks to me there. We're praising people for putting on races. Well, you know, the the, the rich pe- marathon majors fig- can't figure out a way to get on a race this year. But in India, a poor country, the Airtel Delhi Half Marathon has taken place. About $200,000 in prize money total when you add in the bonuses and the Indian prize money and whatever. I mean, the, the, I think the big things were the, the bronze medals at the World Half Marathon Championships. Amdalak Wallahan of Ethiopia, 58-53, course record win, three-way sprint finish, and then, oh my God, the women's bronze medalist as well. I can't even say this name. Yalom Zerv Yalohu, 64-46. Incredible running for both of them. Yeah, there, I mean, there were a couple other things I was interested by. One was um, Mukhtar Idris made his debut, uh, the world champion of the 5,000. He ran 59.04 for fourth, so that's that's fairly solid. Um, Ruth Chepengedich, world champion of the marathon, she got second in 65.06. Bridget Kosgai winning, you know, it's kind of interesting. She won London, and then she comes out and runs this really competitive half two months later. She dropped out, I think, uh, due to injury, it seemed like. And... Then 10th place in the men's race. This was a shocking result to me. Avinash Sable of India. An Indian national record, 60-30. He broke his he lowered his PR by almost by two and a half minutes, I think. His let me pull up his two and a half minutes. The national record, John, was 63-46. This is my performance of the week. Normally Rojo's ran as a negative. This is the positive. This guy's a stud. 60-30. Yeah, three and a half minutes. I'm sorry. His previous PR was 63.58. I mean, he just destroyed a national record by more than three minutes. And he says he thinks he... Okay, this proves it. We need to have a Where Your Dreams Become Reality segment. At least once okay, a month. Okay, John, stop. I see you. You're looking at the computer screen. Stop it. I'm going to ask you guys. Do you guys know who Avinash Shabal is? We just said we'd never heard of the guy. Like, what do you know? Well, that, that's, you know, guys are not true fans of the sports. Do you guys realize he was a world championship finalist on the track in 2019? Guess the event. Ste- I yes. ran the steeple, he right? The last place in the steeple. He's like an 821 steepler. After this half marathon, he's like, oh, I can run much faster. I can run 810, maybe 805. Dude, this is my new hero. This guy's like defying like everything. I, steeple, why is he wasting his time in the steeple? I guess 60, 30, 820. Maybe he's got a better shot in the steeple. I don't know. Seems kind of short. I've always wanted to see a 10,000 meter steeple chase. <laughs> okay. I, I guess I haven't, but. I think, well, Steeple, he made the world championship final. I mean, what's he going to do on the road? 60-30, that's fine. I mean, he'd be really the best for India. That's still like two minutes behind the most competitive guys in the world. But to me, I, I've got to say, watching this, I was shocked because normally in these broadcasts, they'll show like the leaders and then they'll cut back, you know, the show to finish, they'll cut back to the top like local athlete. Like if it's in England, the top, you know, Englishman or something like that sort of thing. Here, they cut back to the top Indian and he's already finishing. I'm like, wait, what the hell? He's like he's gonna run sixty thirty, and he did. It was it was incredible run. So congrats to Avinash Sable. I don't know how or what he did to lower his PR by that much, but it's pretty crazy. I mean, he's pretty confident because I guess the Indian records aren't very good. I was sure that I was going to break a national record at whatever event I competed in next. So, one other thing, one final observation I had on Delhi was. Uh, you know, two of the top 10 women's times or women's performers ever ran their personal best 
in this race because the top two, you know, Yahuwah Law, she ran 64-46, which is number two all-time on a record-eligible course. Then Ruth Chepengedich, 65-06. That was in the top 10 as well. And it kind of just made me think, like, I would look at the all-time list. Every woman in the top 10 set their PRs in 2017 or later. I was like, you know, shoes have changed the game. And then this guy, Quan Walker, he's a you know commentator or observer of the sport from South Africa, I believe. He replied on Twitter. He's like, well, six of those times didn't come in the super shoes. And I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting because, you know, you would think 2017, that's kind of the line of demarcation for the alpha flies, the vapor flies. And a lot of he's actually no like no six of these teams times came in the Adidas, but I don't think that totally rules out that the shoes are changing the game because if you look at the top three times of all time, sixty four thirty one, sixty four forty six, sixty four forty nine, all three of those did come in the vapor flies or alpha flies, and all three of those have come in twenty twenty. So, okay, you can still run fast in the half, but I think it's a combination of two things, and the shoes are definitely one of those factors. Yeah, the shoes are definitely making a difference. Slightly shifting the goalpost a bit, making things differently. I'm looking at race results weekly. It's got a you know the Delhi top twenty. Then I'm scrolling down because there's a couple of marathons that took place in China, and it's time for like American marathoners to start raising their expectations. Like the Nanjing Marathon, four Chinese men under yeah, two oh eight. The other news of note for me during this COVID era was the Torre Cup. This is the Shanghai International Marathon. And it, it took place. The winter was only 212. It's probably like, I don't know, warmer weather. I'm not sure. But this race had 9,000 runners during COVID. In batches of 3,000 each. This is a, according to David Monte. Participants had to pass a COVID test seven days before the competition. And then get this, the safety as runners was enhanced with a facial recognition system and a temperature measurement. But we had the Moscow Marathon in the fall with over 10,000 people. So or I think the marathon itself had about 9,000, but 20,000 across all the races. So hopefully we can keep showing that, you know, outdoor events can be held safely during COVID or, and we can get some bigger races going in 2020, 2021, especially with the vaccine. Well, then can you just, I mean, I, I want the events to come back, but can you just please stop with like coming up with some random stuff? Do you guys realize there's only been 86,000? Now, I know the Chinese government lies about everything. And I love that quote from David Monte, facial recognition system. Like, yeah, basically like the police state is knows who where everybody is at all times so they can, you know, figure out who can allow to run the race. They've only had 86,000 total cases of COVID since the beginning of time. We have over 170,000 a day now in the U.S., so one thing I was talking to John offline was think about it in the spring, we canceled the NCAA basketball tournament. There was like 500 total, total cases of COVID in the entire country. I would like to know the stat. If, I'm going to start writing the week that was again. I'm going to come up with the stat. And now we have like 175,000 new cases a day and we're starting up basketball again. So, you know, well, Robert, one, we weren't testing as much in the spring. And also now we've shown how to, you can hold s- small events safely and for young, healthy athletes, COVID, most of them are willing to take the risk and continue doing what they love and like for their scholarships and schools and money and that sort of stuff. So it's just different circumstances. We've evolved. We have more knowledge than we did in the spring. So most societies like, yeah, we want to see sports. Some people don't, but the schools have decided outside of the Ivy League that, you know, they want to have sports. Is the Ivy League the only one out of basketball this year? Or is Patriot League as well, John? 
I I want to say I'm trying to think of in basketball. I'm not entirely sure. I think there are a couple conferences that have canceled indoor track, but I'm not certain on basketball. Shout out to the podcast listeners, by the way. A couple of people did email after last week's podcast. The USA Gymnastics Championships were canceled this year. So they didn't have gymnastics. I'm not sure about swimming still. Maybe someone email me, but I'm not good at checking the email. If you know the answer, email me, Robert, at Let's Run. Oh, by the way, if you want to email the show, you can email pod at letsrun.com or call the show, 844-LET'S-RUN, 844-538-7786. But one last thing about Delhi Half. I mean, I think, you know, the big story, despite the fast times, could be Coast Guy getting injured. Imagine if this was the men's race. You know, if you want to look for sort of unintentional sexism, if – Elliot Kipchoge was in this race and ran the half and then pulled up lame and was found limping off the course. That would be the number one story. So Bridget Coast guy getting injured, you know, definitely something to be paying attention to for the next few months. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends how serious it is because it's really not uncommon for top athletes to drop out of marathons, uh, saying, you know, they developed an injury or something like that, you know, We'll see if this rules are out for like, well, A, there isn't a spring marathon next season next year, but uh, she's supposed to be running RAK in February. So we'll see if she's all ready for that. So that is the overseas action for this weekend and from last weekend. But we do have one of the biggest track meets. Is this the biggest track meet that's been held on US soil since the start of the pandemic? I mean, I know we had all those Bauman meets, we had the big friendly, that sort of thing. But in terms of the number of athletes who are competing and so the level of the athletes uh, the depth of this is just called track meet will be held in la on friday and saturday night it's pretty crazy if you guys look through these fields are you excited about it tell us what we can expect john so yeah you got a a few storylines to look here it's essentially jesse williams of sound running has put this meet on and he wants his goal was for to have this meet in May to give a chance for people to hit Olympic standards. Obviously, the whole season got shifted, but the Olympic qualifying window reopened on Monday. So athletes here, if you want the 5,000 or 10,000 standard, that's what they're going to be going after in the top heats. And there's quite a lot of good athletes going out there and running. You know, women's 10K, interesting story there, Wayne Kaladi, the NCAA champion, in cross country from New Mexico. She has turned pro and joined Under Armour. She'll be making her pro debut in that race. The men's 10K is loaded. You've got Ed Cheserek, Eric Jenkins, Pat Tiernan, Tyler Day, Joe Klecker, Morgan McDonald, Leonard Correa, and then the NCAA favorite for the cross country title this year, Wesley Kiptu of Iowa State. So that's a pretty cool race. You've got four former NCAA cross country champs who have won a combined seven titles. That's Cheserek, Morgan McDonald, Tiernan, and Sam Chalanga. And then the 5K, you've got Drew Hunter, Ben Blankenship, Cooper Tia, and in the B Heat, Matthew Sensowitz, uh, who I'm told is not, you know, he's he's full fit right now, quote unquote. So that's why they're sort of putting him back there because he's not ready to run, you know, 13 flat, which is his PR. But a lot of fast races across the board, and we should be able to see, hopefully, some Olympic standards. Well, we got the Olympic champion running in the B Heat of the 5,000. Now, John was kind of giving Centrowitz a hard time to me on the phone. when Didn't he have a tweet last week? He says one of the problems of track and field popularity is that people don't race enough. Isn't that kind of – He did say that, which I found very, very interesting coming from a member of the Bauman Track Club, you know, and the team who basically blew off the entire European 2019, 2019 European season to hole up at altitude. And, you know, they did come out and run one time trial in the woods, and that was essentially it. 
But this year, John, they're compared to everybody else, you know, putting on their own meets. I guess they were inter squad races, but they probably raced more than anyone. It's sort of interesting. Centro, maybe he needs to do this for his Nike contract, but come bother to run a B heat. I mean, how fast do we think the B heat's going to go? Like 1330? So, yeah, the the race being paced for sub 1330. I don't know. It, it's kind of, yeah, it is interesting that he's running a race. Um, maybe it's just they want to break up training or something, but. That doesn't really seem like an issue. Normally, Bauman's fine with just training for months on end. It helps keep people focused. Like, if you know that you've got to run this race, you don't want to embarrass yourself. So, you stay a little bit more focused for three or four weeks, you know, and you get yourself in 1320 shape versus being in 1345 shape. It's it's interesting, though. There's a, there's an opportunity for some guys to get a Centro scalp in that race because we've got Nico Young, NAU's star freshman, the, you know, top recruit coming out of high school this year. He's running that race. Casey Klinger, the BYU star, two-time NXN champion, he's in there. Cole Hawker, the Oregon you know, footlocker champion in 2018, who just ran 745 3K. So those guys are going to be seeing Centro, and they'll be, probably be licking their chops, and they'll be like, oh, my God, this is my chance to beat Centro. They probably, I'm sure they all looked up to him when they were in college. I mean, in high school. Should a 745 guy be in the B heat, or should he step up to the A heat? Well, I mean, the... It's not easy to get into the A heat. It's A heat's being paced for sub thirteen fifteen. So what did Cooper Tier just run for three k? He ran seven forty four and he's in the A heat. So it's, somebody's just ran seven forty five is in the B heat. That's absurd. Yes. The way I see this meet, I mean the, the so first of all the IWF the Olympic qualifying window opened up yesterday, right? So that's why it's being held when it's being held, and. I mean, the 5K, you got Drew Hunter. There's not, like, from the men's side, you know, huge matchups or anything. But the 10K, it's one, getting the Olympic standard out of the way. But I don't know. Do we really put too much stock in, like, what who wins this race? These guys aren't Olympic contenders. I think it's some guys, if they can kind of get to the top, to more of an international level. I mean, outside of Cheserick. But as I've said for a long time, Edward Cheserick somehow has to – if you, he's an international guy, but he's sort of competing at this top U.S. level, and I think the focus needs to shift somehow, but there aren't any races for him to do. He's just in a very tough spot. Well, the interesting thing with Cheserek is, like, I kind of – I talked to his coach, Stephen Haas, earlier this week, and he was like, yeah, Ches is really fit. Like, he thinks – you know, he ran 27.40, I think, earlier this year um, when they put on, like, that Sunset Tour meet. But he was like, look, he only – you know – he won that race. I think Chez, he's so used to like winning all these races and he's not, he doesn't have a ton of experience just going out there and trying to time trial or run as fast as possible. He's like a very, he's a big competitor. And so he's got a great kick. So I think it's going to be interesting. Does Chez try to really go out there and run real fast, you know, like 27 low, or is he sort of content to just sort of battle and take the win and the way with the win, it's going to be fast. All these guys want to run fast, but that's sort of the. It's going to be interesting to watch from from his perspective. No, he's not going to try to run fast, which drives me nuts. But I'm glad to hear that he's doing well because this is the guy that was the NCAA star who's done basically nothing. Or I mean, I know he's done some things as a pro, but it seems like nothing. Part of that's because he doesn't have a country to run for. And Weldon, you're not going to believe this. So, Winnie Kalati just goes pro. She's Eritrean, but John tells me that Stephen Haas tells me her citizenship track is is well on track and she should be a U.S. citizen soon. So she's going to be a U.S citizen, probably a multi-time Olympian for the U.S. moving forward. And then Edward Chesdorak, who's been in the country longer than she has, is nowhere close to citizenship. This doesn't, this, this is driving me nuts. 
how does that work? We need some immigration lawyers to tell us. Like, so, usually you can't just come to college. No, she didn't come to college here. She came here in high school, and she has a green card, so she, it's much easier to get citizenship. Her family came here. He, Cheswick came here on a student. Although Cheswick came here in high school too. All right, Robert. I have talked to Stephen Haas. He he said he he admitted he's not. You know, he's like, look, the best person to talk to this would be their respective immigration lawyers. They have two different lawyers, but the way he laid it out to me is. Winnie Kaladi, she, she didn't come home with, with her family, Robert. If you remember, she um, came here for the 2014 World Juniors and defected. You know, she was competing for Eritrea and then she just stayed here. And she was able to claim, I believe, refugee status because there's been, you know, some, some I think, ethnic and, you know, violence in Eritrea. There's been, you know, some some wars and civil wars over there. So I think she, because of that, that made it a lot easier for her to secure her green card, which she has at the moment. And, you know, one day, hopefully her citizenship. So she began working on this process, I think before, before she even got to college, I believe. Um, so that is, I think that's one of the key reasons Edward Cesarek came over here for high school, but he didn't have refugee status. So that to me is sort of the broad strokes of why she's further ahead in the process than he is. This opens up the women's NCAA cross country for 2021 because she was the heavy favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. The reigning champion. Uh, it drives me nuts. People going pro now. It's been going on for 10 years, I guess, but I'm not a fan of it. What, wait, please. Wait, what do you mean specifically? What drives you nuts? Well, I'm glad that at least Nike didn't do it. I always joked that Nike would pay people to go pro, except when they ran for the university of Oregon, they had them use up all of their eligibility at Oregon probably. And, and then use them for every last point they could for the ducks. Look at Cheswick. That guy ran like 13-10 as a freshman and could have gone pro, stays there for four years. <laughs> so th th that's what bothers me about it. Well, okay, Nike didn't offer – someone else, if someone else offered him some huge contract, also the other thing is he didn't have his citizenship. I'm sure he wanted his degree because he came over here for education. So I don't think that's a perfect comparison. And the other thing is Centro, Centro didn't use all his eligibility at Oregon. He was there a long time, John. Let's don't act like he wasn't there four years. Let's not pretend that he was going to get some huge deal to turn pro before he medaled in 2011, though. He hadn't won an NCAA title until 2011. Then, obviously, you know, at that point you go pro, but I don't know. I'm not sure. He was clearly a talent, but he hadn't done, he hadn't reached that level yet until 2011, his breakout year. And I guess it's good that there's, you know, always more teams, but Under Armour. Could have had me coach the team here in Baltimore. So many teams in Flagstaff. How many? How many more do we need? We could have done an altitude house here. I could have gotten you some local. Well, you got two: NAZ Elite and Dark Sky Distance. And this Dark Sky Distance. I mean, NAZ Elite's primarily a marathon focus group, though they will have some runners running here. Unless there. you're going to do the high low training, I wouldn't want to be in Flagstaff if I was a track track runner. Well, it's interesting anyway. And Cheswick, I I actually expect Cheswick to do really well because if there's one thing about this guy we've seen is like. He always seems to be like super, super fit when no one else is. Like, you know, he'll he is incredible. Like maybe indoor season when he can't run at World Indoors, or you know, some odd time of year he'll run some really fast times. So, I kind of accept right You know, December track meet. Oh yeah, he'll blow it. The whole the actually, the, the Stephen Haas team is interesting to me because I've always thought that the, the coaches don't get paid enough. The agent gets like a huge percentage, fifteen percent, and the coaches are, are begging for money. So I've always thought that the agent and the coach should be the same person. But it seems weird to me that the agent like can be tied to a certain shoe brand. Like that just seems weird to me. How does he shop Wayne Kaladi to Nike, Adidas, New Balance, Hoka, et cetera? 
and then also shop him to his own country, his own team. I guess the whole agent thing is so conflict of interest. I was actually listening to a tech blog about this because think I've always said this: when an agent go, you know, if they're representing Robert Johnson and they go to Nike, they're not really just representing me because they have to go back and talk to John Capriati next year about somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So they're not going to actually get me the very best deal they can because they want to maintain and smooth over the relationship with 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 the Cap or whoever's in the new cap so that year two. So they kind of get the best overall thing to keep everything happy and da, da, da. But it works the other way around as Robert, because if you go to someone with someone who's maybe wouldn't normally get a contract, but you have a good pre-existing relationship with the sports marketing head at Nike, you can say, Hey, can we get this guy? Yeah. If you like, I really, I really think this girl's great. She's got, you got to trust me on this one. Yeah. If you have a good relationship, I mean, yeah, I think the thing is like the hardest position I think you just have to know when you're signing with hit, with Total Sports as an agent, or sorry, as an athlete, like Wayne Collardi, you just have to be aware he also coaches the assistance group and know that going in. It just seems, I mean, all line. And then, you know, certain certain agents have certain events that they represent and can put you in and other events, other agents don't have that. I just, do these athletes know about this complicated mess that the sport is? Not in a bad way, just I, I think hopefully they are fully informed when they make these well, a good, a good agent, when they're recruiting an athlete, should let them know about all this sort of stuff. Um, and that's, I think, a lot of agents do try to t- teach athletes about the sport before they go pro. I wrote in a story a series about this earlier this year or last year. Yeah, I thought the article said a lot of athletes didn't know what was going on. I thought it was not a takedown piece, but the big takeaway is there's a lot of conflicts of interest in the sport. And if you're an athlete, try to be as informed as possible. But yeah, the agents have their conflicts, and as long as they make them known, what what else are you going to do? I think it'll be a good situation for her. She's done really well at altitude. I mean, she's got a pretty good – they're forming a pretty good group out there. She's obviously a big talent. I think it'll work out well. And, John, you say Chesrek hit it out of the park. Okay, let's put numbers on that. What does that mean? Sub-27? I mean, like, what what's the pacing for this thing? Well, the problem is, Robert – sorry, the p- pacing, well, then, is – um, sub two twenty seven thirty, but I think I discussed with Robert. I think the problem is, is he going to be willing to get on in the second half of the race and sort of force that pace himself? Uh, there will be other guys trying to run fast, so he might not have to do that. I think he could run. I mean, knocking out of the park. I think he'll get the Olympic standard, which is twenty seven twenty eight. I think he could run maybe twenty seven fifteen. Does that not count? I mean, is that not good enough to you or what? I think that's pretty pretty damn fast. Yeah, it's fine, but. I don't know. It doesn't change my impression of Edward Jezerick. Yeah, and when I see these 27, 15, 10,000 all the time in Japan, I'm like, why do the people even bother to run them? It doesn't doesn't move the needle for me at all, other than getting the Olympic, Olympic qualifying. Speaking of Japan, John lied. He said we're done with their national competition. This Friday, Hitomi Nia, the national half marathon record holder, is going for the national 10,000-meter record in Japan. She should destroy it. So look for that. It's just so much. This December is actually going to be way better than your average December. Normally, December, nothing goes on. This December is going to be amazing. And one thing that didn't happen, though, last week was these turkey trots. Most of them were virtual. But I have great news to report, folks. The world's oldest and most continuous road race, or oldest continuous road race, the YMC Turkey Trot in Buffalo, New York, has been run for the 125th consecutive year in person. It's never been canceled. They only let 125 people run it. But it did go on. But so, congrats there. But you guys, did you guys see that the Manchester they ran their race virtually. Did you guys see what Mark Carroll 
Remember him, the NCAA star, former NCAA star for Providence, Irish Olympian, 1303 guy, 350 miler. I think he's the – is he the head coach on the BAA now? Correct. So he's the head coach of the BAA team. Did you guys see what he ran for four – it's like 4.5 something miles. It's virtually 48. Guess what pace he ran. This is guy's basically my age. He's one year older than me. 520 pace. 505 pace. Very impressive, Mark. Making me look wow. bad. Well, he also made you look bad during his own career in college and in, as a professional. So I guess not really much is, hasn't changed. She, yeah, I guess that's an excuse for you, Robert. He was way better to, than you to begin with. So how do you expect to compete with him now in your advanced age? If we're going to talk about my fitness, John, we got to go into the topic that someone brought up in the subscribers forum. I don't even know what the, what, the, what the discussion was, but someone just randomly says in there, hey, what's more likely to happen? Robert breaks 20 in the 5K, Jonathan Galt gets a girlfriend in the, in, in the year 2021. What do you think, John? I mean, I hope it's the latter, but I'm just going to say right now, this is my excuse. Has there ever been a harder time to get a girlfriend than during a global pandemic in the United States specifically? And certainly in my dating life, it's been tough. This is a... Uh, it's not an ideal situation. That's an excuse, John. People are desperate now. It might be the best time ever. I just need I need advice, guys. As two married, successful men with uh, with children, what what should I be doing for a date idea now in the middle of winter in Boston in a pandemic when gathering inside is is frowned upon? John, I don't think we're, well, no, we're born with a romantic gene. We didn't actually knock it out of the park with our just just wait a few more years, John. The longer just just how. Weldon is offended here. Wow. He's about to say I didn't knock it out of park with my wife. How dare you? Of course I knocked it out. We knocked it out of a park. Well, no, wife. we overachieved. I don't know. I don't think we did it with like smooth operating skills. I mean, I'm not going to. All it ends up is where you end up. So, John, I'm not sure with COVID. Send your dating tips to podcast at letsrun.com. Please, right now, podcast. At I know that. I mean, John shared me a text message he got from a podcast listener. She finds her banter with Rojo to be very entertaining and laughing. I mean, I can lead John. I can lead a horse to water, John, but I can't make it. I can't make it drink. <laughs> I can make you look good on these podcasts and sort of try to make myself look sometimes uninformed to make you look smarter. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Try to make myself uninformed. Yes, yes. That's definitely what you do. It's all about the ratings, John. It's all about the ratings. All right. Do we want to talk about this NYRR business? Michael Caparazzo, the president and CEO of the New York Roadrunners, has been he's, – he's out. I don't know – He's forced out. Forced out is probably the correct time here. It doesn't say officially. They haven't said he's fired, but it seems, you know, it seems pretty clear that the board wanted him gone after this investigation. I mean, there's been allegations of sexism and racism that, you know, white men are paid more and promoted more quickly than uh, the people of, you know, people of color or, or women. And it did seem like a lot of people were fairly, well, I don't know if a lot of people is the right word, but. There has been this group rebuild MYRR, and they listed a lot of demands. And that first demand was Michael Caparazzo be removed. And now he's been removed. So, what do you guys think about that? I don't have a lot to say about it because I don't know a lot about the specific allegations. It, it, it seems a little strange to me that there was all these allegations, but then I guess when people leave, they never say what was true and what wasn't. But I just think in this day and age, you know, you've got to be, you know, very cognizant, particularly in a place like New York. Or, or I mean, everybody should be. You should not be prejudiced. You should not be discriminating against people. You, Diversity is a good thing, and you know you better be very aware of that. That being said, I got I got I got to chuckle about one thing. I did see one of the allegations was though that one person complained that they were told to 
told to take a picture of a minority at an event. So they're trying to show, you know, the photos. I mean, all social, all companies do this. You look at any advertisement in America and they generally have, you know, like people of different races and they make sure that everything is diverse. So someone was told to make the picture look diverse. And then that was a complaint that that was sort of fake diversity, I guess, which isn't that what every commercial in America is? Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting because I think the report that's going to come out and this is going to be private. So it sounds like change needed to be made in terms of, is it Caparasso? I always get his name wrong. So in some that's ways, right. Be, good job. It'll be good that he's gone. I mean, Weldon Johnson says it's good that Michael Caparasso has been let go so that he can pronounce the CEO's name. The next CEO needs to have a nice name like Smith or Johnson. I'm wrong. The woke brigade's can come after me now. I'm, I'm in trouble, but I was texting a friend of mine who's a non-runner and he's like, Hey, have you seen this? And then I texted him. His wife's a runner. And he was kind of asking me about it. And I guess my take was originally the, so the rebuild NYR group, they got what they wanted. I mean, this was their primary goal. So you could say that's a success. And at first, like their allegations were so over the place. Some things seemed very serious to me and some just seemed like they're just way woker than I am. I mean, they make it like, do you guys use the term Latinx? Is it Latinx or Latinx? I've heard it both ways. But I've also heard like most Hispanics don't use that term. Like, you know, Latinx, BIPOC, all these, I guess I, 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 you know, I'm kind of looking up some of these acronyms and figuring out half the stuff, what it says. Some of the stuff seemed very trivial or just way woke or like, oh, they said something nice about the police. And I'm like, oh, like, what's wrong with cops? But then some of the allegations were seemed pretty serious. And so in texting this guy, I'm like, and he kind of agreed with me. It's like, I'm kind of shocked a group like the NYRR, which you would assume would be very progressive. Like they're involved about putting on these great community events in New York, one of the most diverse cities of the world. It's sort of shocking that even some of these allegations could just even be made about the group. You got to be more aware. Like, I mean, let's run, we're three white guys. And I feel like we wouldn't have made some of these alleged blunders. Um, And it's a pretty soft exit. It seems like, you know, there's quotes from Michael, maybe he wanted to move on. And some people are like, well, does this mean it's true? And then other people are like, look, if you're the CEO, sometimes you just need a fresh start and you need to go. So hopefully the NYRR can, you know, emerge stronger from this because it's one of the most important groups in running the United States. And I think one of the greatest things about running is its diversity and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see who comes in, you know, like would Mary Whitmer want to go back? Would they even want her back? Yeah. It's interesting that Weldon says that Mary Whitmer should go back, but then Weldon says that her contract wasn't renewed when she left the first time. So how can that, why would they want her back and they didn't renew her contract? No, I'm not sure of that. Someone emailed me that. I heard that. I was shocked to hear that because she was very popular. And when she left, they said, oh, she's going on to these new things. So so that would just show how even at any pro- nonprofit, any organization, like stuff can go on behind the scenes and you don't know what's going on. And also, and also I just think with any head, sometimes people get tired of them and then like you get rid of them and you're like, oh, wait, maybe I couldn't have done it better than that. You know, I, I think it was probably hard for anyone to be the CEO because think about it. You're going to have a lot of disgruntled employees when you fire a bunch of people because of COVID-19. And then you also had the, the George Floyd protest. So it's a very sensitive time racially. So the police obviously are an important part of your roadrunners putting anything on all of their events. So they but it may have been tone deaf to say something that they supported the police. Anyways. Yeah, my big takeaway sounds like, I don't know, change needed to be made. So. Yes, I mean, this shows that the NYRR board has, they want to, they've taken these allegations seriously. They want to be committed to moving forward and improving the company. They think the best step to do that is to get rid of Caparazzo and 
you know, hopefully this results in a, a stronger MYRR moving forward. Yeah. I, yeah. All right. Real quickly, we also have a talk at the end with Nick Cordes. He's the cross-country coach at Lubbock Christian. He's a former Hanson Brooks runner. He's a former world half marathon runner like me for the United States. You know, that's like this C team for United States running. Nick and I share that in common. And he's putting on the, oops, I got to get the name right. I believe it's the high school cross country national invitational. Is that, is that right? Well then. That's right. That's this weekend in Lubbock Christian. And it's essentially the women's national championship or a girls national championship for high school girls. We don't have Jenna Hutchings, but we have Sydney Thorvaldson, who dominated the Indiana NSAF meet, and Terry Hote winning by, what, like a minute or something crazy? She's racing Bryn Brown, the Texas star, who ran a crazy 939 3200-meter last year. I mean, I'm all proud of my high school time, and I ran a 935. So, I mean, this is Mary Kane territory, and there's a threat on Let's Run you know, talking about this now saying like these girls are better than Caitlin Tui. Uh, and you've also got the third placer from footlockers last year, the footlocker West champion. I mean, it's stacked on the women's side. You've also got a little team competition. So we talked or I talked to Nick for the final 10, 15 minutes of the podcast. Do you guys know Nick is married to uh, I'd be curious. You know, this name, John Lee Daniel. It's weird when you text me that name this morning. I like, I was like, that name sounds familiar, but I didn't know why. Can you please tell me who she is? Yeah, and this is interesting because you kind of forget some of the connections. She, bef- like, before Sally Kipiego, she was the Texas Tech star. She's the first NCAA champion at Texas Tech. She won an NCAA, I think, 10K and 5K title at Texas Tech. And do you guys know who her coach was at Texas Tech? Yeah, Dave Smith. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah. Wow, like I just totally forgot. I like, you know, how did Texas Tech have good runners? And now it makes sense. Um, was D- Dave wasn't coaching Kipiego then, was he? No. Yeah. So, but that's sort of fascinating. And Nick's other claim to fame him and Lee got married on the Today Show. They had like a contest for like a, it was like their 10th anniversary of weddings or some huge deal on the Today Show. I'm like, Couples across the country submitted things, and then they went through these like challenges for weeks to be the finally final family that won the contest and got married on Today Show. And I assume got a great honeymoon and stuff. So Nick and Lee won this thing. And it's kind of funny when you hear them talking about it because Nick said Lee was telling him to lose certain competitions because winning the competition didn't mean you won the whole thing. You weren't selected; it was just all done by vote. And they're like, "We don't want to look too competitive." <laughs> so, well, what a strategy. And she's the women's coach at Lubbock Christian. So it's kind of crazy how this thing went about because essentially Nick, like when the footlockers and NXN got canceled, I said in Let's Run, it's like, hey, somebody should try to put on a meet. And he emailed me and it's like, I was like, yeah, we'll go for it. He's like, I got, we have a great course, the nine hole golf course. We want to try to put put something on. I said, go for it. And just from that thread and then they got the word out and everybody signed up and they got these great girls and about a month ago, he wrote me and said, hey, COVID's picking up. What do you think? But they have a safe way to do this and stuff. So I'm excited that these high school kids are getting to compete this weekend. Absolutely. The one thing I wish, I mean, I wish we could have Jenna Hutchins there, the first one woman high school girl to break 16 minutes in the 5K. Uh, that's the one thing it's missing, but I do think it's a great, uh, great meeting opportunity otherwise. Yeah. I mean, if she was there, it'd be even tremendous, but 
John, especially in today's era of two high school national championships, you never get all of the stars at the same meet. So right. two of the three, and then I think three of the probably top four in the country right now are there. Three of the top five. So it's great on the women's side. And, and you know, you got to go to Lubbock, Texas. Not the easiest place to get to. All right, gals and gals. Well, one thing we didn't get to talk about, but I will link to my article in the show notes, probably the most popular article of the entire year in Let'sRun.com. You've written by yours truly. John wastes all these times in these investigative pieces. I know what the mass is like. Ultramarathon. This is more than the Chapter Guy story, really? I, what is, I don't know. We'll see about that. Killian Jornet, the Ultramarathon, the, the mountain and ultra guy, tried to do take a, a, run, a crack at the 24-hour world record and ended up in the hospital after less than 11 hours of running. Some people didn't like the way that I took some glee in this, but hey, if you're going to put on a PR event and it doesn't fail and, and it fails, you got to be ready for the backlash. So that will be in the show. Now we got to we got to discuss this a little bit. So did you guys even know this was going on? Like some of these ultra stuff, like I don't know, like get the word out in advance because they had a huge sponsor thing. I knew it was happening. I mean, I, I knew it was happening. And I was like, holy crap, this is this is the record. Like we had an ultra marathon. You guys did the ultra marathon content last year. But you had a quest. What is the greatest ultra marathon record of all time? And you determined it is Giannis Chorus's 24 hour record. So I'm like, holy crap. That's what Killian Jornet is going for. And I know Killian Jornet does all this mountain stuff, but I was, I was prepared for, I was very interested to see how he would do because that's the most legendary record. Yes, it's a very great record because how far you can run in one day is very simple to understand. And Chorus was so good. I mean, he's got like most of the top 10 all time. Like no one's come within like, 30 seconds a mile of his performance. Absolutely amazing. And then you just sort of wonder, like, could it possibly go down? Now, some people were saying, my ultra running source was saying there was this, he knew that this would never really be broken in this attempt, but I was sort of presented as a record attempt. So when it fails, I think it's only fair to write a recap of it. Yeah, you know, I don't think you you want ripping him. I mean, I think it's interesting that he ran the attempt, but obviously he came short and didn't break the record. So that's how you reported it. Yeah, I mean, Koros ran seven minutes and thirty seven seconds per mile nonstop for twenty four hours. I mean, he stopped, but he was running faster than took breaks. Imagine that. Two, it's over three hundred and three kilometers in twenty four hours, one hundred and eighty eight miles. Amazing. I'm just shocked he didn't make it halfway. And how do you also end up in the hospital? I just think he wasn't on his best. Well, he was running. It was like 30 degrees in Norway. Did you see where he was running it? It was freaking not. It was not fun conditions. Like what? Okay, that's stupid right there. You need good weather. Come on. Yeah, next time, please consult letsrun.com weathers are Robert Johnson. He will tell you exactly when and where is the best time and place to do your records. Apparently, some of the 24-hour guys really like the cold weather. Actually, Koros liked the warm weather. His was running warm weather. So I'm going to become an ultramarathon consultant. Actually, not. I'm going to become a consultant for that guy in Spain. I should know my boss's new name. But, sir, if you're listening, I'm ready. I will take running to America. I may have to resign Let'sRun.com to do this, guys. But I'm gone. I'm, I'm working for the Spanish billionaire. Juan Roy, yeah. Do you know any Spanish? Well, then, I'm going to expose your flaws here. See. Si. And my daughter's running Spanish. This will be great for her. Hola, John. Como estas? Okay. Well, I know I don't speak Spanish, and I already know all those words. So you have not convinced me. Voy a trabajar para Mr. What's his name? Roy. Senor. Excuse me. Senor. Senor Roy. All right, everyone. I guess that's it for today's podcast. But stay tuned. Well, let me sh- share my text of the week, folks. 
and remind people, go to shop.letsrun.com. Our 159.40 asterisk t-shirts were released last week. I only made a very limited number of these. So I'm not going to – you can have like a collector's edition. And I got a text about this saying, I'd say the 159.40 asterisk shirt is the – Can you describe the shirt, Robert, what it looks like for people who may uh, not it's know? It's like our goat shirt. If you haven't seen the goat, it's a goat. stands for greatest of all time. It says 159.40, referencing the Elliot Kipchoge Marathon. Then there's an asterisk next to it. And also the goat is wearing vapor flies. So it's an inside joke. You obviously know that there needs to be an asterisk next to these performances because of the new shoe technology. Goats don't actually wear shoes, in case you didn't realize that, John. And you, the real value, actually, we didn't promote this enough because we were promoting all the shoes. And thanks to everyone who took advantage of the Black Friday Cyber Weekend deal with Pacers running. I mean, this thing was gangbusters. Um, you guys could save 20% off shoes, so that was great. Subscribers get discounts like that every single day. But if you want the shirt, we had this is very kind of secretive. Cyber Monday. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. If you subscribe for the year, you can get a free shirt and the subscription is 25% off. So that's the way to go. Anyway, your text of the week, Robert. I'd say the 159.40 Astra shirt is a proper display of the true Let's Run ethos. Discerning, critical, sometimes intellectual, and often, often wryly humored. All with an underlying and undying love for the sports soul. Good work. I think that's Let's Run in a nutshell. I agree with the man or woman, whoever sent that. I think that's Let's Run in a nutshell. John assuming it was a man and then correcting himself <laughs> real quickly. <laughs> oh man, I shouldn't be laughing at that, but you you kinda of, I mean John, you know, we got you gotta make fun of yourself, acknowledge the criti- some of the criticisms and try to be better. That's all we can do in life, and I think we do a decent job with it. You can't let every critic bring you down, but you got to listen to what they say and see how you can do better. And I think we do a decent job with that. Well said. Well, all right, guys, Nick Cordes is here. Robert, are you going to, are you going to let Nick Cordes, the masses hear him or not? I was debating letting the subscribers hear me go off or talk about the Vanderbilt kicker situation. See, if we do that, then I have to record extra work for me. Okay. Nick Cordes for everyone. Subscribers. We will be talking about, the Vanderbilt kicker, and also this, there are Title IX implications if football is viewed as a co-ed sport, but I don't think that's going to happen. But it just sort of also shows the interesting – and this gets into the debates about intersex athletes, um, transgender athletes, Title IX. Like uh, People think all these things aren't related, but it's very interesting how we treat sex and sports and football as well. So, All right, here's Nick Cordes for everyone, and Robert's discussion of Sarah Fuller will be at the end for subscribers. Everyone, we're joined by Nick Cordes. He's the cross-country coach at Lubbock Christian University in Lubbock, and he's putting on the high school cross-country national invite this Saturday in Lubbock, Texas, and it, it's turning out to be as close as we're getting to a national championship. We've got a tremendous matchup on the women's side. Bryn Brown, the Texas hero who ran a 939-3200 last year, is racing Sydney Thorvaldson, who crushed everybody at the XC Town USA Meetup Champions. And we have Abby Vanderkoy, who was third at Foot Lockers last year, Mia Barrett, the Foot Locker West champion last year, a ton of people. Nick, you can tell us all about the meet. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, we're excited. The weather actually looks like it's going to be pretty good. Uh, cool, but uh, low winds and, uh, you know, it should be a, a fun a fun race with the, how stacked the women's field is in the top end. And the men's field's got a lot of competitors from all over as well that have done really well this year. Our course is uh, is, is uh, 
it's not hilly. It's not overly challenging, but there are some little undulations and little things that we you know a true cross country runner is going to be able to really excel at this kind of our, our kind of course. So yeah, in the beginning, this was uh, just the concept when uh, the two major races shut down when uh, Foot Locker and uh, NXN shut down. I forget which one shut down last, but I hadn't heard the first one shut down. When that had happened, I'd already know at that time that we had already probably hosted at that time 30 or 40 races on our course this fall. And I was thinking, well, there certainly we can do something to, to help out those who are still able to travel and still uh, still want to participate at the end of their season. And what I uh, know, you and I had spoke early on in the in, in that time frame and Really, we I took a seat back because a step back because we wanted to see if uh, that meet in Indiana had just popped up after you and I had already been talking, and we wanted to see if they were going to back their data up to allow the, the schools from Texas and maybe some of the other states who were finishing up later uh, could could compete there. And when that didn't happen, we decided to to move forward. And and since that time, obviously, there's been a lot of other races in different parts of the country that popped up, which was really good. Uh, for the high school athletes that you know were in positions that could still compete and wanted to compete, uh, when when we we wanted to make it official, basically, you know, there was coaches from all over the country that some that had you know reached out to me that they, they had heard you know through the gossip or through you or uh, I started contacting some of the top high school uh, the top high school runners coaches uh, directly and just seeing if there was interest and that's kind of how basically all the uh, you know, the top girls kind of all decided to come here. And we have this meet this week, and there's, I think, depending on who you are and what your perspective is, I'd say there's probably three of the top five runners in the country on the girls' side racing this this meet this week and signed up for it. So should be really competitive uh, and just kind of see what happens. Yeah, I'm impressed because you were already putting on the high school sort of – I mean, high school, excuse me, collegiate D2 championships – and you just took this thing and ran with it. Because I was just like you. I saw the high school national championships canceled. And I'm like, well, kids are competing. There needs to be an opportunity. And you emailed me and said, hey, well, you know, I got a, a place. Like, uh, I think I want to do this. And then you just took it and ran with it from there. And But it's crazy how quick it's come about. Because I was looking at emails from you. You first emailed me 1st of October. October 21st, you sort of get it out there. And then real quickly, you got some big, big commits. And the way the women's season has worked out, too. It, it, I mean, you've got the matchup everybody wants. So kudos to that and then i guess the other thing going on you know we got COVID everywhere and you guys have been hosting a lot of meets safely that was one thing you told me right away and you have a separate warm-up area and all this other stuff so we can talk a little bit about precautions but the middle of november you wrote me and you're like hey it, you know COVID's getting worse what, what do you think about this thing and i i guess just with everything going on like how close did you come to not having this meet was that just you being cautious has there been pushback from people saying you shouldn't have the meet? Like, how do you handle all of that? Well, I just, uh, I always want to make sure we're doing what I can conceive to be the right thing. And, and obviously different people have different uh, points of view on anything in life that you have an opinion on of whether it's right or wrong. Uh, so yeah, in, in mid to late November, uh, you know, around the country, things started getting a little hairy and, uh, the, you know, after talking to you and others, we never got so close to, hey, we're definitely going to do it. But there was definitely a thought of, hey, are we, is this a smart decision? And when it comes down to it, we decide it's an outdoor event. Uh, you know, people are going to be masked up anyways, the, the spectators and fans. It's outdoor in a massively big area where there won't be thousands and thousands of people crowded in with each other. And uh, there's people have the option to just be safe and you can travel safe. You can. You can make smart decisions if you if you know that you're going to be around 
family at Christmas. You just you, know, you have time to quarantine safely. A lot of kids aren't in school right now. It's they're on they're online anyways, and so it's you know it's a it's a personal decision. There's no pressure, and, I, and honestly, I haven't had any pushback from anybody. I, I don't think I've had a single email or or message uh, that's that's that said otherwise, which which is good. I think a lot of people around here just realize you just have to make, make decisions that are smart for yourself. And, you know, I, I feel like an outdoor event, you know, they're having all these indoor events all over the place, basketball starting up everywhere. Colleges are playing it, uh, you know, cross country. We're outside. It's a quick event. It's outside in a, a big area. And we just want to make sure that uh, the people that come, you know, they're making smart decisions about not intermingling too close together. People aren't family members and, wear a mask and, and, you know, take care of itself. Yeah, I'm like you. I mean, I, I ran a cross country race in Connecticut in the fall and I felt very safe and it's outdoors. And I think obviously with events, the first ones that we should be having are outdoor events. We've had tons of cross country races this fall. So hopefully, you know, with the road racing and everything in the spring, we, you know, people will realize outdoor events or hopefully it's shown that they're safe. Cause we need, I, I you know, we don't want to have something that's unsafe, but I think, hopefully this cross country season has shown what can happen with road racing in the spring. Yeah, I agree. I haven't heard any pushback even not that I've been researching it too heavily, but I haven't heard anything about cross country races being any type of events that are cause for concern. Obviously mass rallies, presidential rallies and things have, have caught the attention of, of certain things. Most people are packed together really tight. So we're just, uh, yeah, we're excited to be able to help some in some way be part of, uh, giving opportunities to athletes, young, healthy athletes to compete and still have a season and something of meaning for them. Yeah. I think it shows, I mean, you got a tremendous response and I don't know what, like actually what teams are coming to this thing, but there's a team competition as well. But you know, the, the Nike nationals footlockers, they pay everybody to come in and everybody's paying their own way. These kids, cause they want a national meet like this, you know, they're paying their own way to come compete in Lubbock. So I think that's a testament to what you guys are putting on. I agree. And I want to make it clear. Like this is, this is not something we're trying to make like a, a long-term multiple year type deal. We're, this is a one-time thing. We just want to give an opportunity out there. We've kept our entry fee extremely low. I even looked at what the other ones were, but I think I saw $40 on one. We want to do just $20, something simple because we knew people were paying their way out here. Something that, that, uh, you know, would entice them hopefully. And, and you know, we got, we got a good response and we'll have, competitive uh, boys and, and girls elite a races so it'll be it'll be exciting we're gonna have a live stream so it'll be good live stream on mile split right i yes i believe that's it's gonna be on mile split we don't have the link set up yet with them we just got the contract stuff all worked out and it'll probably come up today or tomorrow all right that's good and i guess real quickly i gotta mention we you know before we got on like I, I was barely put two and two together but you're a world you're a very good runner yourself former hansen brooks member a world hat usa team member like myself you know we're, we're, that's like the total b team right for national team representation yeah. but hey i'm a proud member of that club baby but your <laughs> wife is lee daniel she's a lubbock legend texas Tech, what two-time national champion maybe three times how many times yeah two times i know it because i've heard so many times from her friends and family and people in town here yeah two-time national champ multiple time runner-up and i don't know nine-time all-american she was a stud she was a little west texas hick and uh, just got in running late and Ended up having three different coaches at Texas Tech. Our third coach was Dave Smith, who's at Oklahoma State now, and uh, he's the one to help guide her to some national championships. And so she was, yeah, really successful. And she uh, she has all the accolades of the family. She's the women's coach at Lubbock Christian, so it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, it's 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 pretty intense. 
if you if you did your if you did really got deep on it, you'd see that we won the Today Show wedding thing like <laughs> eleven years ago. So we uh, we are competitive, and uh, the embarrassing part about that was that before we went on there, she knew how competitive I was, and there was a there was an obstacle course challenge. She said, "Don't embarrass us by going too crazy and and acting like an idiot on national TV." And so I kind of half efforted it, kind of scaled it back, and. We ended up losing this real simple obstacle course challenge, and it was super embarrassing. Everyone makes fun of me. My father-in-law makes fun of me. But I was trying to be like, listen to my wife or my fiance at the time, and uh, never again will she rein me in like that. I'm, I'm full go now. So yeah, I probably should have led with that. You guys were married on the Today Show, but so wait, there was an obstacle course challenge to to win the, to get no, to the exit, or this is separate from Today Show. Uh, it's a, a long time ago. Basically, I had a couple of weeks where each they eliminate one couple, and each week was a different challenge of some sort. And it was it was purely for voting. There wasn't the winner or loser didn't wasn't affected by what happened in the competition. I think it was just the show personality or get get votes stirred up somehow. But yeah, Lee Lee went national championship in the Today Show, and then uh, I'm sure I have some credentials that are way behind that that order of things in our life. Being a father is, is pretty important too, though. So. Yeah, you got three kids now, and my wife's a huge Today Show um, watcher. I should ask her if she if she knows who you guys are. And thought about that. The runner, yeah, <laughs> she probably remembers. We came down. There was a there was a boss. There was a New England Patriots cheerleader, and uh, her fiance was the same year as us. So maybe she well, she might despise the Patriots being from New York. So I don't know. Probably so. Well, yeah. <laughs> you guys need to build a powerhouse at Lubbock Christian, and then, then or that can be your your accolade. So good luck with that. There we go. Yeah. Good luck with the meet. We got a brand new track. We have brand new track facility this year, and. Uh, we got, you know, uh, we got a new sprint coach, throws coach, and jumps coach for the first time ever this year. So we're, uh, we're working towards being as competitive as possible. Moving Good forward. luck, and thanks for joining us. I know you said you had to rush off to a early morning athletic meeting, so. Correct. Thanks for your time, Well, Yeah, thank you.